0: Go ahead and subscribe, and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in, and be blessed.
1: How are you doing this morning? Good, good. Um, I'm not going to hold you up this morning. Um, I'm going to share this, and we're going to bring our theme of the year so far, what we've been sharing, to a close. Obviously, it's the theme of the year, so there'll be more to share about it in the days to come. Uh, But this morning, we're going to kind of bring what we've been talking about all together together. Um, Keep in mind, uh, we've been talking about, what's the theme of the year? Does anybody remember? A hearing heart, heart, the year of a hearing heart. And uh, I just felt so impressed from the Lord. He gave me the verse. There was a story that go with it, but the verse he gave me came straight from Isaiah 41. In fact, uh, let me show it to you. Isaiah 41, verse 1. And it comes after Isaiah 40, I think verse 29, 39, I think it's 29. And the Lord talks about, he says, even the youth will grow weary. He said, but those who wait on the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and they will not grow weary. Even the teenagers might get tired and need to sit down and take a break. He said, but because you have waited on me, you'll never get tired. You'll never grow weary. And rising up like an eagle means in your old age, no one will know how old you are. So there's a lot to uh, un- unpack in that, but the verse that the Lord gave me for this year was Isaiah 41, verse 1. And yes, the context is important, but this was the verse, and I want you to uh, take a look at it. And I'm going to pray in just a second, because um, I feel like, yeah, we should do that. Anyways, Isaiah 41, verse 1, it says this, Keep silence before me, O coastlands, and God is speaking. He says, Hey, keep silence before me, O coastlands, and let the people renew their strength. Now, right here, we have a format. God is saying, this is how I want you to, to approach me in 2020. Um, one of the problems I have the most is whenever I come to the Lord for prayer or for guidance, or I say, okay, Lord, I need some help. I don't know what's going on. A lot of times I go to the Lord and I do all the talking. And I say, man, that was a, that, you know, I had a good time with the Lord. <laughs> and um, that's, that's been something like an ongoing problem. And I learned a couple, I say I learned in the early days when we first started, I'll never forget. And this is just a side note. We have a few minutes. Um, I'll never forget around the time I was trying to get into the, into this, I felt the Lord was calling me, but I didn't know what to do. And I remember I had a journal where I didn't tell anybody what was going on. And at the time I wrote down, I said, Lord, what, how do I seek your face? What does it really mean to seek you out? What does it really mean? Because at the time, you know, I was like 19, 20 years old. And when you're a teenager, you always hear seek God, seek God. And it's like, but how do you do that? You know, how do you practically go home and seek God out? And at the time, I was like, okay, Lord, what do I do? And I'll never forget, as God's my witness, I was walking up the hill at the church where I was. And at the time, there was this guy who I never spoke to. You know, I was cordial. Hey, how are you? But I never spoke to him. And we were crossing paths. And I said, hey, how are you? He said, I'm, you know, how are you? And he got about two or three feet away from each other. And he turns around and he said, you were asking God how to seek his face. I said, what? No one knew I was asking God that. Fast forward, Pastor Samuel is here this morning. Amen. <laughs> uh, True story. And I walk about two, three feet away from him, and he turns around and says, you're asking God X, Y, and Z. And this is what the Lord told me to tell you. Go and get quiet. Listen to some worship music. Lock yourself into the youth room and go listen to some worship music. And that's what I did. And uh, fast forward, what, six, seven, eight years, almost 10 years later, uh, the Lord is still saying, son, you still come in our presence and you talk too much. (laughs) So you need to get back to this. Isaiah 41. Again, God is saying, this is the format. This is what I want you to do for me. All right. Do this for the Lord. Come into my presence. Don't say anything. (laughs) Be quiet. Then he says, let them come near. Then let them speak. Now, when you come into God's presence, it doesn't matter if you're in your car. It doesn't matter if you're at home. It doesn't matter if you're at work. You can be in a closet. It doesn't matter where you're at, wherever you go. Wherever you're at, the Holy Spirit is there. Wherever you are, God is there. So just find somewhere where you're not looking someone in the face and say, okay, Lord, it's you and me. <laughs> and just get quiet for a moment. And when you find those quiet moments, God's promise to you is this. When you come and, and have and silent before him, he will let the people renew their strength. You will renew your strength. If you feel like you're getting tired of something or you're, you're getting worn down or you just, oh, I'm tired of dealing with this or I just feel stressed. I feel too tired. The Lord is saying, just come into my presence. Be quiet for a moment. And in that quiet moment, you will renew your strength. If you feel like, man, I'm tired of enduring, this isn't changing. Just come into God's presence, be quiet, and you will renew your strength. And after that quiet moment, the Lord says, okay, now you can speak, and let us come near together for judgment. And we talked about that in the past. It doesn't mean judgment for bad things. It means judgment for good things for you. Don't forget, Christ was judged for you and as you. So he says, come to me, and let's talk about what needs to be judged in your favor. And everyone said, Amen. So let's open up. Father, we thank you this morning that I thank you. No one came to see me. We all came to see you. We all came to receive from you. And so, Father, I thank you this morning that you won't disappoint. Father, I thank you that everyone that came this morning, they will see Jesus in Christ alone. That they will go home with exactly what you would have for them. Not what I prepared, but what you would have for them. I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. So let's open up to John chapter 10. If you have your Bible, if you're taking down notes, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And again, we're talking about having a hearing heart. A hearing heart. Have you been asking God for a hearing heart? Yes. Good, good, good. Can anyone say that? You said, man, I'm hearing God more. Yes. Anyone? Okay, okay. When I first started doing it, I was like, Lord, where are you? I saw it. I heard, I thought I heard you. Where are you? But I'll explain that when we get to the end anyways. John chapter 10. Let's look at verse 1. To five. And uh, in case I forget, please remind me, this wasn't part of my notes, but it just came to me. Please remind me to tell the story about the job I got at the end. All right, it all ties in. John chapter 10, verse 1. Look up here. Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. You know why? For they know his voice. I love that. Then the next verse, verse 5, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, I didn't put verse 6 up here. Verse 6 says, as soon as Jesus finished these, these few verses, all the people looked around at each other and said, what in the world is he talking about? They had no clue. And for the rest of John chapter 10, Jesus is now explaining what those few verses we just read means. Now, we're highlighting. I highlighted verse four because I want you to see when it comes to hearing God's voice. All right. We're asking God for a hearing heart. And I'm not saying that many of us don't know how to hear God's heart. I'm not saying that at all. But what I do want to make sure is that when you're hearing God's heart, you are definitely hearing God's voice. You're asking for a hearing heart. You are definitely hearing God's voice. Because there's a lot of people out there who say, well, hey, I'm saved. Hey, uh, I love the Lord. The Lord told me to tell you this. Or the Lord told me this, and this is what I'm going to do. And you can always judge. I'm not saying you should judge. But I I tend to judge people without letting them know I'm judging them. (laughs) I don't think the Lord told them to do that. But whenever they put God on the end of it, it all of a sudden gives them this validation that no matter what people say, God told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. There's nothing you can do to stop me. Well, you're on your own. (laughs) Now, knowing that, I love you too much to let you just say, well, the Lord told me. No, we want to make sure that everyone is safe. I want you to be safe for success. So let's talk about what it means to hear God's voice a little bit just this morning. So look here in verse four, it says, and when Jesus brings out his own sheep, because he is the shepherd and we are the sheep, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. So no matter what the Lord tells you to do in 2020, know this, he has already gone ahead of you. God will never tell you to do something without first going ahead of you. You know how you know you've heard God's voice? Because you're already, it's like, I think it's in Ephesians. He said, he has called you uh, to be a tool So because he is the workman and he's made you ready. The work, you are the work, I can't remember. The workmanship, prepared for good works, right? In other words, what is God saying? I laid out all the wood and all the nails and everything is in place so that when you step in, all I have to do is use you immediately. You won't have to set up, break down, you won't have to do any of it. I already ordained and anointed you for good works so that you can walk into them. The Lord leads you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So then right here, we know that he goes before us and he says, the sheep follow him for they know his voice. You know his voice. Jesus is saying, my sheep know my voice. Make no mistake about it. They know my voice. Now, again, it comes back to this. Well, the Lord told me, how do I know? You know his voice. You will know his voice. But then, verse 5, he says this, Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Do you know that he goes on to talk about the strangers as the Pharisees? Look it up. In John chapter 10, the strangers he's talking about are the religious teachers of the law. Now, knowing that, what does that mean? That means whenever you hear law-based preaching, law-based teaching, God is doing this because I did this. God is responding to me in this way because I did this. That is the voice of a stranger. And Jesus is saying, my sheep know better than that. All right, my sheep will know better than that. And everyone said, Amen. when you hear someone talk like that, you immediately just reject it. Just reject it. Now, don't be rude, because if you're rude, you, you lose all ability to try and help. All right? if, you, if you know what I'm talking about, you ever been rude to someone? You're so on fire for the grace of God, they come and they say something wrong. And you go, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. And then before you know it, you're in a fight with them. Now you can't help them. All right. Don't be rude about it. But look, reject it. Just reject it. When they say things, just reject it. In the name of Jesus, that doesn't happen to me. That might happen to you, but it won't happen to me. All right. Because it's the voice of a stranger. Now, knowing that my prayer for everyone in here is this. When you hear law based preaching and teaching, you will run from it in the name of Jesus. And we talked about that last week. When you hear the wrong things, a lot of times they can put wrong things on you. But God's promise for all of us at Center Church, not for the world, but for Center Church was this. For every wrong thing you heard in Leviticus 5, every wrong thing you heard, I offered up 120% restoration. If you became sick because of something you heard, God's saying, I'm reversing it and causing your health to be 120 times greater than it was before. And everyone said, Amen. amen. So let's keep going. You're talking about hearing God. Do you know that in John chapter 6, Jesus said, these words, I speak to you. They are life. I'm sorry. They are spirit. And they are, you know, I already said it, life, right? The words I speak to you, they are a spirit and they are life. So how do you know you're hearing God? It's going to give life. It's going to give life. This last week, Holly's not here this morning, so I'm kind of glad. She always gives me that I like. Stop talking about people at work. There's a guy at my job (laughs) who we were talking and he, he brought up the phrase I love so much. I love when people say it. The prosperity gospel. Has anyone ever heard that phrase before? Anyone ever heard that? Now, I used to be like some pastors who I used to love, I say it's not called the prosperity gospel. And let me say this: it is not called the prosperity gospel. But let me say this: if the gospel makes you more poor, something is wrong. Okay? If you listen to the gospel and you become more sick, something is wrong. Now it's not called the prosperity gospel at all. But if you begin, I'm sorry, if you get more poor, stop listening to it. Now, the byproduct, all right? The result of listening to the gospel is that you become wealthier. Jesus said, I've come to preach good news to the poor. What is good news to a poor person? You don't have to be poor. You can be rich. (laughs) A poor person who's not sick, a poor person who is healthy, he's just poor. Jesus says, i got good news for you. Come on, talk to me. (laughs) You know, old school Baptist. Come on, talk to me, Jesus. What you got for me? You don't have to be poor anymore. You know, I'm not going to throw down, but you get my point. Good news. To a poor person, is you don't have to be poor. You can be rich. Amen. What's good news to a sick person? You can be healed. And then they say, Well, it's the prosperity gospel because it's all good. Yes, because Jesus took all my bad. <laughs> so I can take all his good. If you're only hearing bad, something is wrong. So how do we know we're hearing, how do we know we're hearing his voice? When it's all life, all life. Jesus said, I have no more death for you. I only have life. I've come to give you life. And what? life more abundantly if you start hearing death something is wrong (laughs) now on occasion we like to throw warnings out there hey look look steer clear of this or or don't touch these types of things yes but at the end of the day it should all be life because Jesus said the words I speak they are spirit and they are life meaning if you're not hearing life you're probably not hearing me and everyone said (laughs) now again we take our example from a man named Abraham we take our example from him because Abraham was a man like all of us, not under the law. And every time Abraham sinned, and I say it all the time, I know I, I, just, I just I just run this one to the ground. But I love the story of Abraham so much because you know what? Before Abraham died, he didn't have to wait till he was dead. He didn't have to wait till he was dead. Before he died, long before he died, just a couple years after he was following the Lord, all of a sudden, He lied to somebody else. He lied to a king. He put his wife in danger. And the result was God went to the king and God said, everyone in this palace is dead. The king said, it wasn't my fault. And God said, I know it wasn't your fault. Now give him his wife back. He said, take your wife. Oh, by the way, take some gold, take some silver, take some livestock, take some of my servants. And just a few years after following the Lord, a man like us, not under the law, all of a sudden the Bible says Abraham was rich, became richer and had so much more on top of what he started with. Thank you for that thunderous. <laughs> That's all of us. That's all of us. You don't have to wait till you're old to say, God was good to me. <laughs> no. Even when he lied, God blessed him and blessed him and blessed him on top of blessings. So that they looked at him and said, my God, he's wealthy on top of wealth on top of prosperity. I mean, come on. <laughs> this is the gospel. And you know what, you know what Paul calls all of you? You are the seed of who? Abraham. 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 Kelly wants to sing the song, I know he does. You are the seed of Abraham, you are his seed. At the same promises Abraham had, the same relationship he had with God, God is saying, my relationship with you is better now because Jesus has come. You have something that Abraham was looking forward to. Now it's behind you. My relationship with you is even better than it was with him. If I did it for Abraham, I am no respecter of person. I will do it for you. Stop expecting the worst when you do wrong things. Start expecting the best because Abraham didn't know what to expect. He said, my God, I lied. And God said, here's more favor. Here's more gold. Here's more blessings. Likewise, for us, when we sin, stop saying, well, I know something's coming. Just start thinking, God, I know something good is coming. (laughs) You know how you know you're preaching the gospel? When Paul said, are you saying that they said, Paul, are you saying that we should sin so that God's grace might abound? When you start preaching grace that much, and you realize it sounds like I'm saying sin and expect God to do more. That's not what I'm saying. But like the Apostle Paul, hey, look, I'm not saying go out and sin and expect God to do more because you sin. But when you sin, expect God to do more. Can we say that? <laughs> Amen. Look at this in second Corinthians chapter 11. Now, again, I got off track. But when we're talking about the strangers that we don't follow, look at this. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, Paul said, for such are false apostles. And don't don't be fooled by the word apostles. Don't think apostles are someone who's so great way up there. Apostle just means sent ones. For such are the false people who, who claim that they were sent by God. Deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. He says in verse 14, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Then he says in verse 15, therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers or demons also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. Now, watch this. How do we know that we're not hearing a demonic teaching? How do we know that we are hearing true grace? Watch this. Demons transform themselves into ministers of what? Righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. When somebody talks about being right with God and they tell you what to do, you've heard a demonic message. Run, <laughs> run. When you hear a, a sermon by any preacher, and look, 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 this is not Matthew trying to attack some great minister who's, who's got so much more. I'm not, this is not me. This is me trying to protect you, beloved. This is your Bible. <laughs> when you hear somebody tell you how to be right with God and they tell you what to do, my God, run at this, run as fast as you can, because this is demonic teaching. Satan is not stupid. Throw the word righteousness out there and believers will say, oh, I'm listening. Give them something to do, and it appeals to our flesh. I got something I can do now. Now I can present this before God, and God will be happy because of what I did. Not realizing God is already happy with me. In spite of me, God is already happy with me. God is happy with you, in spite of you. And in the moment when you do the right thing, even when you do the wrong thing, God is never more proud of you. It's in that moment when you do the wrong thing, he holds you up and says, look how beautiful my grace can shine on Matthew. But he's horrible. I know he's beautiful. (laughs) And everyone said, I'm skipping so many stories I want to share, but I won't. Hallelujah. Now, look at this in Romans chapter seven. Let me show you this real quick. Let's talk about marriage for a second. Romans chapter seven. And all the married men said. There you go. (laughs) Here we go. Romans chapter seven. Let's talk about marriage real quick. In Romans chapter seven. Paul says, or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Now, let's talk about law and grace for a moment, and Paul's going to reference it to a husband and to a wife, all right? He says, don't you know that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. Now, when you're married, let me say this, you are bound to your spouse as long as that person is alive. Then he says, But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. How I many you know when a husband dies, that wife is not free to marry who she wants? Right? Nothing deep here, we get the point. Verse three So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. So that she's no adulteress, though she's married another man. Now, again, this is nothing deep. You don't really need a whole lot of depth and revelation to understand this. As long as the husband is alive, the wife cannot marry another man without becoming an adulteress. Right. So now, look, he's not talking about marriage per se. He's using marriage as an analogy. As long as you are married to the law, you can never be married to who? Jesus or grace. Grace. Now watch this. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Now, let me show you real quick, because I, I want to make sure nobody misses this. As long as... Ma, can you come up here? I was going to ask Tiki, and I thought, that's two dudes. I love you, bro. But <laughs> All right. Pretend she's my beautiful wife. She's my beautiful mother, but just pretend she's my beautiful wife. As long as we are married, she can no longer, she cannot marry anybody else. Again, this is no deep revelation. But if I die, she's free to marry who she wants to marry. Now, let me ask you this. Is the law, let me, and I want you to think about it. Is God's law going anywhere? No. Can God's law be destroyed? No. Every word that God has spoken will stand for eternity. Are you with me? Every word God has spoken stands for eternity. So the law isn't going anywhere. So in order for her to be free from me, notice the, the, the words he uses for her to be free, to be set free from the law. We're not saying that the law is evil. We're just saying we need to be set free from it. <laughs> notice he did not say to be set free from sin. Are you, in, are you with me? He didn't say be set free from sin, set free from the law. And I'll show you why in just a second. In order for her to be set free from the law, I can't die. So what does that mean? She has to die. But if she dies, what happens? She can't marry anybody else because she's dead. And God can't raise her from the dead because she hasn't been good enough for it. So what does Jesus do? Jesus comes. Keep going there. So Jesus comes. And what does Jesus do? I like to be the hero in my my analogies. Come. I like to be the hero in my analogies. Okay, I'll switch. Now he's the law. He's the ugly, stinky law. He's... Anyways... Now Jesus comes in. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says, instead of her dying, I'll die in her place. Now she's dead. She's dead. As far as the law is concerned, she's dead. Now she can marry somebody else. She's now free from the law. Are you with me? Thank you. That was all. I just, I wanted you to say, I feel like if I have this picture in my head and it's all imagined, you will miss the point. She's now free from the law. Likewise, guess what? We are all free from what? The law. He didn't say sin. And I'm trying to be very specific about this. He did not say sin. And I'm going to show you why in just a second. He said you need to be set free from the law. You know that in Genesis, God said, don't eat from the tree of the what? Knowledge of good and evil. evil. In Romans 4, he goes on to say this by the law is the knowledge of good and evil. Are you with me? God is saying, I need you to be set free from the law. Now why? Verse four, therefore, my brethren, you have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that's Jesus, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, notice sin was aroused by the law. Every time you tried to do something right, it didn't matter because the law was there making you want to do the wrong thing. Most of us would all agree like Paul, we don't want to do the wrong thing, but there's something inside of us that we're just, you know, it it pulls us in. But I want to. I want to. In my spirit, I know I don't want to. But in my heart, I'm just drawn to the wrong thing. You know what it is? Somewhere in our mind, the law is still screaming at us. Somewhere in our mind, the enemy is saying, the law is still here. Are you with me? So sinful passion, which is aroused by the law, it was at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Verse 6. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Now watch this. Watch this. What is spiritual adultery? If you had asked me 10, 15 years ago, I would have said, it's when you sin and go back into church. It's When you sin, you go back into church. Can't tell you how many times I heard spiritual adultery. That's spiritual adultery in the house of God this morning. You were at the club last night. Oh, pastor, spiritual adultery. Cast off the demon of the club, you know. And he comes, he cries, he falls, he rolls on the ground. I'm set free. And the next week he's back in there. I I was back at the club again. (laughs) Spiritual adultery is not sin. Spiritual adultery is going back to the law now that you are married to Jesus. Spiritual adultery is going back to the law now that you are under grace. It's going back to the law now you're under grace. Are you with me? That is what spiritual adultery is. Now, again, you have been delivered from the law, having died to what you were held by, having died to what was holding you back from your full potential. The law wasn't helping you. It was holding you back from being who God wanted you to be. Now you are dead to that thing and you are alive to what, watch this so that you can serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Now watch this same verse in the Amplified Bible Classic Edition. Watch this. In fact, they don't print this edition anymore. You have to look it up. The Amplified Bible Classic Edition says it like this. But now we are discharged from the law and have terminated all intercourse with it, having died to what once restrained and held us captive. So now we serve not under obedience to the old code of written regulations, but under obedience to the promptings of the spirit in newness of life. Notice, you are not going to do what God called you to do because I'm writing it out on paper for you. God is saying, stop trying to look at something to do. God is saying, just follow my prompting inside of you. Follow the voice on the inside of you. Follow the inward prompting. Can we can we use that word prompting? What I found was many times I'm I'm saying, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. And God is saying, I would rather you follow the prompting first. Follow the prompting. The voice will come. That's why I started off asking you, have you been asking God to speak to you? And have you heard him? Because for me, in the early days, even even now, I still say, Lord, speak to me. And there's silence. So I go back to work. I say, Lord, speak to me. And there's silence. So I go in the house. Lord, speak to me. She's on the other side of the door screaming at me. I need you to speak to me. (laughs) I'm joking. We don't do that in our house. We don't fight at all. We have times where she doesn't see my wisdom. But outside of those times, we never fight. All right? Lord, speak to me. And there's total Silence. All right. But then there's times where I open my Bible or there's times I'll be cutting the grass, walking the dog and the Lord will speak to me. And I'm like, where was this 20 minutes ago? <laughs> you have to learn how to follow the what? Inward promptings. Obedience to the promptings. If it's on paper, God can hold you accountable. If it's an inward prompting, you just missed it. It's OK. I'll get you back on track. Well, I I didn't obey the Lord. I knew I knew I should have done it. You're right. But it wasn't on paper, so I can't hold you accountable. You're safe. But if it's a prompting, I might have overlooked it. So God says, don't worry. Promptings you can miss, it'll be fine. But if it's on paper, you're in trouble. (laughs) Aren't you glad God didn't put any of us on paper this morning? (laughs) Now, knowing that, watch this. I want to show you this. In 1 Kings, and I'll bring this to a close in just a minute. In 1 Kings, the story that the Lord gave us was from Solomon, right? Solomon said, God, give me a hearing heart. Give me a hearing heart. Watch this. In 1 Kings chapter 3, now, I'm skipping a lot of the story because I want to come to something and I'm closing in just a minute. Solomon offered up a thousand burnt offerings and what happened? God came to him in a dream by night And a vision and a dream by night. And God said, ask me what you want. And Solomon said this to God in verse nine. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. Now, notice he said, I want to discern between good and evil. If you go back and look that up, he's not saying the same thing. The knowledge of good and evil It's actually really interesting. It's not the same. I went back and studied it and maybe one Sunday or a Bible study. We'll, we'll talk about that. But it's not the same thing. He said, I want to discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, verse 11, Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall... Any like you arise after you. Now, I showed you what this meant last week or the week before. I think it was last week and the week before. In verse uh, verse 9, he said, give me a understanding heart. It's actually the word, give me a hearing heart. He said, God, give me a heart that has ears on it <laughs> so I can hear your voice. And God's response to Solomon was, okay, I'll do exactly what you asked me. I'll give you wisdom, which you didn't ask for. I'll give you wisdom. And guess what? I'm going to give you a discerning heart. You want to hear me? I've never stopped talking, Solomon. But now I'm going to give you discernment so you'll know my voice over all the other noise. You'll hear my voice over all the other things going on. You will discern what I want you to do. Now, coming off that story, if you ask me, I would say, great, Solomon is about to hear God's voice. Right? Because it sounds like God said, I did what you asked me to do. I'm going to hear God's voice. Now, as soon as this story ends, all of a sudden, we come to verse 15. Now watch this. He asked God for something. This is God's response. Now we're going to read a little bit, but I just want you to follow the story. And I want you to count how many times God speaks to Solomon in the story. Okay? Can you do that for me? Watch this. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house. And I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from her side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was, dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, No, but the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, The one says, This is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other one says, No, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. Now pause for one moment. Has God spoken to Solomon yet? No. All right. Verse 25. And the king said, divide the living child in two. Give, one, give half to one, the other. I'm sorry, and give half to the other. And the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son and said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is the mother. Pause. Has God spoken yet? No. All right. Verse 28. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Now, when I read this story, my first question is this. Why is a king settling a, settling a dispute between two prostitutes? Did that, ring, did that flag anybody else? <laughs> Do you not have judges and, 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 and police or someone else who can deal with something like this? Why is the king dealing with this? Let me tell you this. When you ask God for a hearing heart, nothing is too small. God will take the smallest thing that seems small to you, and he'll give you such a hearing heart, such an inward prompting that when you respond, everyone around you is going to say, surely the wisdom of God is in you. Are you with me? Nothing was too small for him. So he, first of all, he's dealing with the issue with something that should have technically been beneath him as king. Secondly, he said, God, give me a hearing heart. God said, I'll do you one better. I'll give you discernment to hear my voice, discernment to hear my voice, wisdom and discernment to hear my voice. Where was the discernment? You don't know if it's a or if it's B. If you ask me, I say, "Okay, ladies, hold on one moment. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. I'm going to go to a quiet room. God, I need to hear you. I ask to hear you. I need to hear you. And yet. Solomon didn't do any of that. What did he do? In a way, he followed the inward promptings. You see, the Holy Spirit hadn't yet come, so we can't actually say that. But what did he do? There was discernment to know what God would want him to do. Likewise, I'm telling you, when you ask God for a hearing heart, trust that. In fact, I'm gonna, let me just show you this, and I'll close with this. I'll close with this. James chapter 1, verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally or freely and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let no, I'm sorry, for let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man and unstable in all his ways. Watch this. You ask God for a hearing heart, act like you have it. (laughs) You ask God for a hearing heart, act like you have it. Don't let that take away. Don't let God's silence in your quiet times make you think that you don't have it. What is he saying right here? If you need wisdom, you need insight from God, ask him for it and then act like you have it. Because if you ask God for it and then you act like you didn't get it, you'll never get anything. Does that make sense? (laughs) A double-minded man is someone who says, God, give me wisdom. God, I receive wisdom because you give wisdom freely. You give it graciously. I receive free wisdom. And then he walks away and says, I don't know if I have the wisdom of God or not. I don't know what to do. God is saying, if you're asking me for it, then act like you have it. Act like you have it. And there will be a prompting on the inside of you that will keep you safe. There'll be a prompting on the inside of you that says, say something crazy. Cut the baby in half. What? <laughs> Why is that even an option? Sorry. It's right. Just cut the baby in half. Uh, cut the baby in half. No, don't cut. Him. That's the one. I mean, come on. Such a crazy solution to a problem that really seemed kind of beneath him. And yet it was something so small that God turned and said, this is how I'll show the world. I am really with you. I'm telling you, man. The Lord said, son, this year, I'm telling you, ask me for a hearing heart every day. Ask me for a hearing heart every moment, And just, just keep asking me for a hearing heart. I love when you ask me to hear my voice. I love when you want to hear my voice. I love when you come into my presence and you're quiet. You don't talk all the time. I love to hear your voice. But I love when you come into my presence and you're quiet. It shows me that you acknowledge you don't know everything. It shows me that. Keep coming. I love that. But listen, when you ask me for a hearing heart, act like you have it act like it, even if you make a wrong choice. Again, if it's on paper, you're in trouble. But if it's a prompting, God can always fix it. (laughs) I don't care how bad it is. You say, well, I ask God for a hearing heart and the worst case scenario happened. It's all right. I promise. God can fix anything. He can take care of it. You have a heavenly father that says, I will take care of everything for you. If you just try, I'm serious. And I, I mean, put the Lord to the test on this. Put him to the test. Ask God for a hearing heart today when you leave church. Ask him for a hearing heart and then pretend like you have it. Act like it. And everyone said, amen. Is everyone all right? You're giving me that stare like, oh, my gosh, is that it? <laughs> that is it. We did it in less than 30 minutes, I think. Are you blessed? Yeah. It's going to be a good year. It's already a good year. If your year is bad, let me say this. It will get better. It will get better. But the solution is not finding more to do. The solution is saying, Lord, give me a hearing heart. And just follow the the inward prompting. I'm serious. Follow the promptings of the Lord inside of you. If you feel like, man, you know what? I want to just drive to the store right now. I just feel like getting in my car and driving to the store. I got all this stuff I need to do, but I just feel like driving to the store. Drive to the store. Just drive. You don't know what could happen. You could be on the way to the store and guess what? Somebody skip you in line, make you mad. The store clerk turn around and say, your whole order is comp by the store. You're good to go. <laughs> you just don't know. I'm serious. You, you just don't know. And it's usually, and the reason why I say something back happened first is because Satan, he recognizes when you go off track. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Did the Lord tell him to do something? Because he's not doing what he was supposed to be doing. Quickly, throw something in his path real quick. Car wreck. Oh, I got to take the detour. And then you find out on the other end of that, the Lord has something amazing for you. I'm telling you, just follow the inward promptings of the Lord. Follow follow what the Lord is telling you to do on the inside. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Listen, you are hearing the voice of the Lord. You're hearing the voice of the Lord. If the voice comes to you and says, how could you do? How could you just reject? That's not the Lord. (laughs) If the voice comes to you and says, if you don't, if you don't, that's not the Lord either. But if you ask the Lord for a hearing heart and all you hear is the love of God over you, you are... Altogether lovely. I love you so much. I will take care of this. That's him. And you're good. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that you have given us your spirit so that we could follow the inward prompting. Father, this morning, I ask for everyone setting the stage for the rest of this year. I ask for everyone that that inward prompting would be louder than it ever has before. Father, that we would walk this week, even the small things that no one would overlook it, that by your inward prompting, Lord, you would continue to elevate and raise everyone in this church up to be who you have called us to be. That, Father, that even when the small things, when it's the small promptings that we follow, that you would cause everyone around us to acknowledge your grace is resting on us. So, Father, I thank you for being who only you could be in our lives. Can you take a moment real quick? Can you just stand? Just take a moment and just tell the Lord, thank you. We didn't do that at the end of 2019 but can you just tell the Lord thank you for all that he's done for us in 2019 thank you Jesus Jesus you watched over all of us thank you father you kept us close father you Lord you were a heavenly father to everyone in this room and now father we thank you by faith Jesus you said you go before the sheep you went into 2020 for us So this year, Father, as we look ahead, as we look ahead to all the great things you have in store for us. Father, I thank you that you are giving everyone in this room, even our children who are in children's church right now. I thank you that you are giving everyone discernment to hear your voice. You're giving us a spirit of discernment to hear your voice this morning. That, Father, we would know exactly what you would want us to do in every moment. And Father, I thank you, you never lead us out to leave us. You always lead us one way, to bring us into something even greater. So Father, I thank you that this year, everyone who is in bondage to anything, whatever it was, I thank you, Father, as we follow your promptings, you are leading us out of that bondage, out of that captivity, into true freedom in you. Even right now, Father, you are leading us into true freedom in you. And we thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just take one more minute, real quick. Just out of your own heart, just tell them thank you. By faith, tell them thank you for for 2020 that it will be a good year. Begin to speak over your year right now, over your own year. Begin to speak over your own year. Father, you're opening doors of opportunity for us. Father, you're opening up doors of opportunity. Father, there is no end to the promotion that you set in place for me and my family. Father, I thank you that you gave Parker's teachers wisdom. And Father, you gave Parker favor. In front of all his classmates. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. That we expect the best, your very best, in 2020, Father. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you lift your hands right where you're at? May the Lord bless you and you're going out and then you're coming in.
0: Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte@gmail.com, at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.